Hey everyone, I'm Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino. Do you appreciate the women in your life? What about the women in the afterlife? Maybe the spirit that wanders your local cemetery, or that woman you drove past hitchhiking in the middle of nowhere that dark and foggy night. Or maybe there's that strong female presence you feel sitting at the end of your bed while you sleep. It may be Halloween, but it's always a haunt girl summer on the Amity Phil Horror. This is the Wait For It Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Wait For It Podcast and this week's episode of the Amity Phil Horror, the second episode of the Amity Phil Horror that you guys are getting this month. By the time this episode comes out, we will be just a few days away from Halloween, so I hope you guys have enjoyed spook season again, the best time of the year. And naturally, since we have another episode of Amity Phil Horror, I have brought back my friend Amaris for a second time this month. Amaris, thank you so much for being here. The last episode was a lot of fun, and uh, thanks to you, that video that I watched, the one that you were referencing in your story, I have now watched so many of those videos. I don't know if it is it. I don't know if they pronounce it T Phil or TF. I don't know what it is, but it's very entertaining, and I blame you for that because those videos are not short. They're like an hour each, and I've been spending a lot of time watching those videos. Every video is like a mini documentary and they're so intriguing i can't stop i'm glad you enjoyed them and i'm glad that the video that i watched wasn't the trash one that i thought i watched because i felt like a garbage person so i'm glad that that was not the case and thank you so much for having me back on you know i love spook season absolutely the one that i watched that was really interesting was the one about the catacombs and that video was just so incredibly stressful and amorous i feel like maybe you're about to cover the catacombs on like a new project maybe that that's coming up you want to talk about that yes thank you so much for mentioning that phil i am going to be covering the catacombs in my first official podcast episode for if you guys listened to our last episode together we organically came up with the name Riddled with Nightmares. And I have Phil to thank for that because I literally said it and he was like, name of your podcast. And I was like, oh my God. So that's actually what I'm doing. I've created the Instagram, the Facebook. Um, I've set up my little podcasting station and I'm going to record today. So yeah, if you want to be scared and learn about the catacombs at the same time, definitely tune in. I'm going to release next week and it's Riddled with Nightmares. It came together very fast. You're like, that sounds like a good idea. Then you sent me all the notes of all the episodes. And then all of a sudden the social media was up. I was like, holy shit, that happened so fast. But no, I really can't wait. I'll be joining Amaris from time to time on that to talk to her about some stuff. And yeah, the catacombs itself is a really interesting topic. So I'm glad that you're going to be able to uh, get on that. But today, guys, we are discussing ghost girls, ghost women. Of course, the the title of this episode is Haunt Girl Summer. And we originally had intended to talk about specifically the lady in white because there is so many different iterations of her. And of course, we're going to implement that into this episode for sure. I think with for sure with one of my stories. But then we kind of expanded it a little bit more to just really ghostly women in general, because there's so many great stories. And again, some nightmare fuel here for you guys, because researching some of this stuff. I tried to do my best to do it right in the middle of the day, but usually I'm busy. So like a lot of this happened at night and it was just a terrible idea all around. What, how, how was your research process for this? 
Okay, so usually when I'm researching for an episode, I can give myself this kind of like, I allow myself to doubt the stories because I don't know the people that are writing them and often it's on Reddit or YouTube and I'm like, okay, everyone just wants upvotes or likes, like, you know, that's all it's for. And then I can kind of sleep at night. However, the two stories I will be reading today for this episode, I actually got by going on to, um, so I'm like a huge fan of True Crime Obsessed. It's like my favorite podcast. And of course I'm on their fan group because like, why not? And I got on and I was like, hey, who believes in paranormal? If you do, share in the comments your paranormal experiences. And I got almost 300 comments. Not all of them were stories. Some were just saying like, of course I believe, or no, I don't really. But some of the comments were so long that they ended up just like direct messaging me like mini novels <laughs> of their paranormal experiences. And because these people were like real and in the same group I was in, I had a really hard time doing that whole like, oh, they're probably just wanting likes because there was none of that. Like it was just a thread, you know what I mean? So um, my night last night, I used a nightlight <laughs> and I did not get up to pee because <laughs> I was terrified. And this morning when my husband left at 4 a.m., I definitely turned the lamp on and turned on Arrested Development and slept with the lights on. So yeah, that's how I'm doing. I'm tired. Yeah, it's uh, just, just skimming through Reddit paranormal and Reddit short stories and Reddit creepy stories and the Reddit no sleep. Like it's Oh man, it was it's definitely been rough. So we're going to get into all these stories here momentarily, you guys. But before we begin, I just want to remind you that you can find us pretty much anywhere you're listening to your podcast, which of course includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, Buzzsprout, and wherever else you're listening to your shows. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please subscribe or follow along with leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That is one of the best ways to support the show. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram uh, at Wait For a Podcast. And on Twitter at Wait For It Pod. For those of you who don't know, Eric and I had just mentioned here a couple weeks ago on What Did I Miss? We are going to be changing the format of those episodes and really kind of branching out and bringing you guys some more, uh, like a wider range of topics. So we're going to slowly be phasing out What Did I Miss for those of you that listen to it every single week. So keep up to date on social media with everything that is going on. But that being said, Amherst, let's go ahead and get into it. I am going to go first here. And I'm going to start off with, I feel like, who is the lady in white which is yaya rona she is the one that uh, you know a lot of people there was just a film about her recently um i think it's actually la yorona i don't want to be disrespectful i want to make sure that i get the lore correctly do you know anything about la yorona i know that i was too chicken to see the movie oh yeah i don't my sister loves the conjuring movie like the whole conjuring verse she loves those films i will not watch them uh i will listen to episodes about like the conjuring uh like well the warrens in general because their life is fascinating. We should probably, that's probably a topic you should tackle is the Warrens in general, because that would be a really good one. Um, they, of course, are, they're kind of like the paranormal investigators. Unfortunately, they have both passed away now, but a lot of controversy surrounded them because, you know, are the, were those experiences real? Were they in it for the money? There's a lot to get into there. But the Conjuring Verse, you know, did produce the La Yorona film. And uh, this is something that, is really baked into the lore of Hispanic culture, really. And uh, you can really find a lot about her. But I want to talk about this because I found a couple. Uh, I found a, a story actually on Reddit about an experience that I'll get to you, that I'll get to here in just a moment. So 
This is where the myth of La Llorona begins. So the legend of La Llorona translates to the weeping woman and is popular throughout the southwestern United States and Mexico. The tale has various retellings and origins, but La Llorona is always described as a willowy white figure who appears near the water wailing for her children. Mentions of La Llorona can be traced back over four centuries, although the origins of the tale have been lost to time. She has been connected to the Aztecs as one of the ten omens predicting the conquest of Mexico, or as a fearsome goddess. One such goddess is also known as the Snake Woman, we'll go with that, uh, who has been described as, quote, a savage beast and an evil omen, who wears white, walks about at night, and constantly cries. Another goddess is that of the jade-skirted one who oversaw the waters and was greatly feared because she would allegedly drown people. In order to honor her, the Aztecs sacrificed children. An entirely different origin story coincides with the arrival of the Spanish in America back in the 16th century. According to this version of the tale, La Llorona was actually La Malinche, a native woman who served as an interpreter, guide, and later mistress to Hernan Cortes during his conquest of Mexico. The conquistador left her after she gave birth and instead married a Spanish woman. Despised now by her own people, it is said that La Malinche murdered Cortes' spawn in vengeance. Now, there's no evidence that the historic La Malinche, who did in fact exist, killed her children or was exiled by her people. However, it is possible that the Europeans did bring the seeds of the legend of La Llorona from their homeland. The legend of eventual mother who slays her offspring can be traced all the way back to the Medea of Greek mythology, who killed her sons after being betrayed by her husband, Jason. The ghostly wails of a woman warning of impending death also share similarities with the Irish banshees. English parents have long used the tale of Jenny Greenteeth, who drags children down into a watery grave to keep adventurous children away from the water where they might stumble in. Uh, really quick before we continue, I love that the Greek mythology is like, so it has like all these amaz amazing names. And then there's just this guy named Jason who, <laughs> who cheated on his <laughs> on his wife. Uh, yeah, that's not great. I don't <laughs> Now, here's the most popular version uh, of the tale, which features a stunning young peasant woman named Maria who married a wealthy man. The couple lived happily for a time and had two children together before Maria's husband lost interest in her. One day, while walking by the river with her two children, Maria caught sight of her husband riding by in his carriage, accompanied by a pretty young woman. In a fit of rage, Maria flung her two children into the river and drowned them both. When her anger subsided and she realized what she had done, she succumbed to the profound grief that she spent the rest of her days wailing by the river in search of her children. In another version of the story, Maria cast herself into the river immediately after her children, and yet others, Maria was a vain woman who spent her nights reveling in town instead of tending to her children. After one drunken evening, she returned home to find them both drowned. She was cursed for her neglectfulness to search for them in her afterlife. The constants of the legend are always the dead children and a wailing woman, either as a human or a ghost. Yayorona is often spotted in white, crying for her children, or misios near running water. By some traditions, the ghost of La Llorona is feared. She is said to be vengeful and sees other sh children to drown in place of her own. By other traditions, she is a warning and those who hear her wails will soon face death themselves. Sometimes she is seen as a disciplinary figure and appears to children who are unkind to their parents. And then, as I mentioned back in 2018, uh, the people who made the Conjuring films did release a film riddled with jump scares called The Curse of La Llorona. Uh, the movie, I think, had mixed reviews, as I think a lot of those movies do. Honestly, they're they're kind of people kind of see them for what they are now. But 
Um, that is kind of like a little bit of a history. And then as I was just scre- uh, you know, scrolling through different um, you know, experiences and stuff, I found this terrifying encounter. Uh, this is from Reddit. On, this was posted on Reddit Ghost Stories and by user djunderdog85. Okay, I didn't Maybe the D is silent. It might just be Junderdog. Okay, Junderdog85 on Reddit. And this story is She is Real, a La Llorona experience. All right, so. This happened to me when I was about 11 years old. It was the 90s. I have lived my whole life in El Paso, Texas. The culture is rich in folklore and religious beliefs. Many Hispanic families have stories of the paranormal. One legend popular is the legend of the weeping woman, a.k.a. La Llorona. The legend of La Llorona, Spanish for the weeping woman, has been a part of Hispanic culture in the Southwest since the days of the conquistadors. The tall, thin spirit is said to be blessed with natural beauty and long flowing black hair. Wearing a white gown, she roams the rivers and creeks, wailing into the night and searching for children to drag, screaming to a watery grave. No one really knows where the legend of La Llorona began or from where it originated. Though the tales vary from source to source, the one common thread is that she is the spirit of a doomed mother who drowned her children and now spends eternity searching for them in rivers and lakes. One night, just like any other, I lived in a trailer with my mom and dad. My youngest brother was staying with my aunt this night. I fell asleep watching Jay Leno as usual, and when I woke up, I was on the sofa in my living room. The time was 4 a.m., which illuminated from the stove in the kitchen. The television was off, and normally I had a light on, but this time it was pitch black. I woke up and I heard a horrible screaming that was coming from far in the distance. The screaming was coming from a ditch that was a few feet away from my home. I heard it and I thought I was hearing things. I asked myself, am I dreaming? Then I started to hear the animals outside howling and whimpering. These animals that I speak of are cats and dogs. As the screaming got closer, the animals continued to cry. The screaming was something I have never experienced ever before. It sounded like I was in a big hallway and a woman was screaming her guts out down that hallway. Then in all the screaming, I started to make out words. These words being said over and over, this was at 4 a.m. Screaming their guts out shocked me. The woman said, I, mis hijos, or, oh, my children. In a huge panic, I quickly got up from the sofa and ran into the kitchen, which was right next to where I was asleep. I turned the closet light on and looked around. The screaming didn't stop. In fact, the screaming only got louder and closer. I questioned my sanity at that moment. Was I going crazy or hearing things? Then I thought to myself, this is real and the animals are responding to it in a negative way. So I did what any other 11-year-old boy would do in a moment like this. I ran to my mom and dad's room. She woke up slowly, and to my amazement, the screaming faded away as she woke up. I thought to myself, what the heck is going on? I told my mother, mom, do you hear that screaming and crying lady? My mom was half asleep, and she said, go back to sleep. It's most likely just your imagination. I told her, no, this is real. Please listen. Don't you hear? My mom quickly just said, you are dreaming. Go back to sleep. It's going to be okay. By then, the screaming had faded long away, as if whoever was screaming knew that an adult was awake. I was terrified as I returned to the living room and quickly turned on the television as I left most of the lights on as well. I didn't go back to sleep until the sun came up. I couldn't believe what I heard and witnessed. I was treated like a crazy person whenever I told my story. It got so bad that I kept the experience to myself. To this day, I don't care what people think of my experience. I know what I heard. A couple of years later, it happened to me again, but that's a whole other story that I will share later. Apparently, he has actually um, pus- posted the other story on his profile page. I'll have to check out that out, that out later. So here is a an, uh, an experience that this kid had at 11 years old. And again, just like what you were talking about, when you know people comment on these threads, you always have to take them with a little bit of a grain of salt. 
This kind of stands out to me because he was a kid when this happened, and it, it seems like she does target children. And I feel like the curse of La Llorona is kind of the basis for a lot of the other similar stories that I think you and I both came across when we were kind of researching this topic. But um, if I if it was the middle of the night and I just heard a woman screaming outside, uh, I, def- I he did the right thing. At least he didn't run out and go check it, you know, look look for himself to see what it was. What child would do that? I sure as hell wouldn't. I'm not running outside. Uh, I don't care. I Honestly, even if it was an actual woman crying in a ditch, I wouldn't go to check on her. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not doing that. It's, it's just very chilling. And again, this is something we brought up, I think, like every single episode. If the animals were reacting to it, then again, that's another telltale sign. I think what really disturbs me about La Llorona is that it's not confined to one area. Like some of these spirits that we talk about, it is around this, you know, this graveyard or these set of woods or something like that. La Llorona is literally seen all up and down the Southwest as well as into Mexico. And that is terrifying that she can really just pop up anywhere. It also really freaked me out that it seemed like she had a view a way to see inside the house to know that the mom had woken up like yeah like some kind of yes just had some kind of awareness that oh well i'm not gonna get this kid now so i i should just i'll try another one maybe she went to another house (laughs) also like hey girl you wouldn't be so fucking sad if you didn't drown your children so like this is mm. true yeah there's for those of you just to kind of cross over into um uh, into the gaming world there is a game it's called red 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 dead redemption 2 i don't know if you, so there there la Llorona is actually in that game you can come across her in the woods and it is absolutely terrifying you will be riding through the woods to through the swamp on your horse or whatever and you'll just start hearing a woman crying and if you go towards her uh she will then attack you but it's i i remember coming across her I didn't see her, but I heard the crying. I was like, nope, I know what this is. I'm just going to keep on going. (laughs) There was a fill-shaped hole in the wall. Yep. Uh, Well, thank you for sharing that story from... What was his his name? Oh, uh, Junderdog85. Love it. So shout out to Junderdog. It's like Django Unchained, the DSI. I was just thinking. I was just thinking that. That's probably what it is. So shout out to him for sharing this story. And a lot of stories that I came across, even if they weren't pertaining to what we're ta- our, our topic today a lot of them were just people trying to get stuff off of their chest because they've a lot people just like you said in the story her his mom didn't believe him and I've, I've come across that a lot can we please just believe people like it doesn't cost you anything yeah. to just believe someone and if they are truly mentally ill and they are hearing things and they need help get them help right but if but don't just immediately write them off as crazy and then just isolate them and make them feel insane. That has helping nobody. Like I came across that so much on this Facebook thread where I specifically was like, Hey, have you had, you know, an experience? And I had several people direct message me and they're like, I've only trusted this with one other person because mm-hmm. when I've tried to talk about it, people just think that I'm schizophrenic and I started to believe them. And it just broke my heart because, God, if you don't have anybody in your life that you can you can talk to about things like this, what an isolating existence. Yeah. If you're someone who is sensitive to paranormal activity and, and you're hearing it and you're seeing it, you can you can absolutely start to believe that you're crazy. Yep. And that's not cool. 
And I think one thing that's important and why I love doing this series is it's as educational as it can be, you know, of course, terrifying. And keep in mind, somebody that is sensitive to paranormal activity, it doesn't mean that they're seeing a ghost in their home. It could mean that they are just sensitive to the energy that's around them and they cannot expose themselves to that energy because it just mentally is and physically honestly has such a negative effect on them that they cannot be around it. So yeah, this when coming across those stories again, like you said, it is heartbreaking because it's like I'm having to get this out. Just I'm glad that forums like this exist and and comic threads like the one that you posted, because who knows how long those people have been holding on to those stories and and no one believed them. So I'm glad that those exist. Me too. Absolutely. I It's very therapeutic to get it off your chest. Well, I'm really excited to hear some of these stories that you that were shared with you. So let's get into uh, your couple of stories here. Okie dokie. All right. I am going to have to pull up another window. So I, I'm going to try to move it so I can still see your face. Okay. <laughs> because I want to see if you have any reactions, which you should, unless you're a monster. It's like boring. Next. Next. <laughs> you just like Simon Cowell me. That was absolute garbage. Just dreadful. <laughs> Love that accent. All right. So this first story is from someone named Megan. And like I said a little bit ago, this was from the True Crime Obsessed Facebook group where I specifically asked for people to tell me their paranormal experiences. And I got some really good responses. I'm going to read these also on my podcast, but I wanted to share them here first because, well, they're just really good. Ooh, we got the inside scoop, guys. We got a little bit of a teaser for, for Riddle with Nightmares. I'm excited. Heck yeah. Okay, so Megan says... I have a fairly old house, pretty sure it was built in the late 40s, early 50s. Massive basement. I love it. It's great, but the way it's built is odd. There is a solid cement wall down the middle of it, dividing a 1,400 square foot basement into two large rooms, a small doorway near the north end to the west side of it. In the southwest corner, I have had issues with electrical ever since I bought this place five years ago. I've had three electricians come in to fix it, so I can have lights in that corner, but they always burn out. There is also a woman's name spray painted on that wall, to which I said, what? <laughs> Why? Why didn't you paint over it? Exactly. I was like, well, I would have painted over that. Like, Shit. immediately. Okay. So she said, what's odd about that is I've seen the name countless times, but I can never remember what it is. I know it starts with a K. I first noticed something off when I moved in. I was single at the time and there were times I was really sad, but then I just feel like this odd brush on my shoulders and warmth and I almost felt reassurance. I started dating someone, and when he would stay over, he would always get freaked out in my room at night. A few times, he would wake up feeling like he needed to run out of there. Once, he even felt like he was being choked. He eventually, We eventually split up, and I didn't really think anything of it. My sister-in-law is very into the paranormal and has done lots of work into learning and studying it. The first time she came over, she goes, You know there's someone else living here, right? At that point, it clicked with what my ex was saying. She investigated the basement and went straight to the corner where I have the electrical issues. She confirmed there was something there and offered to let me know more, but I declined. 
None of my brothers could ever go in the basement without the feeling of dread or feeling uncomfortable, just a general feeling of get out. I did this weird thing and went down there to make peace with her. I ended up sitting in the doorway facing that corner with a bottle of wine saying, you do your thing, I'll do mine, and we can both be okay. I left a glass of wine in the corner and never went back. That was three years ago. She didn't bother me or my daughter. I've only seen her once upstairs. We were playing board games in the living room and my dog went nuts barking in the dining room. I looked up and the curtain in the dining room moved like a person hiding behind it came from behind. I watched a slight gray figure move across the dining room back toward the entrance to the basement in my kitchen. The last guy I dated, I never told about her, but he felt something. One night he couldn't sleep, but I was out like a rock. Apparently, out of the middle of nowhere, I sat up, pointed at the corner, and then traced my hand toward the ceiling to right over where he was sleeping and said, look at her, Jay, and then smiled and snuggled into sleep again. He finally asked me if the house was haunted because of that night, and he felt like something was watching him from the corner often. He mentioned a couple of times that he just felt unwelcome and uncomfortable. I felt that reassurance a couple times when I'm sad, but my daughter has never mentioned anything, which is interesting because her room is directly above that corner. I feel crazy saying all this. I swear I'm a reasonable person. It just feels crazy when I lay it all out. And that is Megan's story. And I said, fuck, fuck Oh that. my God. Are, is it, are her and that guy still together? Did she say? Did she? I doubt it. Oh my God. So obviously right off the bat, for those of you who might be a little unfamiliar with stories like this. So this is probably a spirit of a woman who was somehow abused by, by men in her life. And this is some, this is a very common occurrence where spirits will, if, if they, some, they felt like, if, you know, if they didn't were treated poorly by men or women in their actual life, then they're going to carry that hatred or whatever it is into the afterlife. And I think that's clearly what's happening here because especially if the men in the house were feeling that way, then that means, and also if she's watching over while she sleeps, that means she doesn't trust whatever the person is. I kind of feel like it's, it's a little bit of a protective spirit uh, in a sense while, while also, you know, of course, just not liking men in the house at all. Yeah, I, I thought it was sweet that she said she felt kind of like a, a warm, like reassurance anytime she was feeling sad. But it does become dangerous because, you know, if she had a long term relationship and there was a guy constantly there, that spirit right. could easily start becoming violent if if she felt, you know, like her space was being encroached on. But for real, when I read the I sat up and pointed at the corner and trace I was like girl oh my god like if I was that can you imagine being that guy I probably would have just left right there I I definitely wouldn't have stayed I absolutely would not have stayed no no because you know he didn't sleep oh my god he he was probably just staring at that corner and then at the ceiling over and over again like petrified you have to wonder just like you said how that's going to affect her relationships going forward um, because I mean, I know I don't know anybody that will want to put themselves in a position where they always feel like they they are in danger of maybe being uh, attacked or always watched or whatever it may be. And the approach that she took, you guys, for some of you that might be kind of surprised, where you kind of try to uh, I guess set boundaries with 
the spirit that happens quite a bit a lot of people do that because eventually they just understand that they're just going to have to live with whatever is in the home and they don't necessarily want it to leave because it may not be hurting anybody but you do have to set boundaries uh, of what you know what it, what it is and is not acceptable for spirit just as if kind of like you're talking to a child or a pet honestly or a roommate <laughs> Or a roommate. Or yeah, a I'm not, roommate. Not even going to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, I have definitely heard stories where someone has attempted to do what she did and it did not turn out okay. Yeah. Because it seems like almost, and it's almost like a 50-50. Sometimes when you acknowledge the entity, they're almost like happy to have someone acknowledge them and then they're like okay we can respect each other and then sometimes when you acknowledge them it like empowers them to start doing more and more I guess it it escalates things you start having things thrown or you start being pushed or so it's definitely risky and if you're experiencing something like this I think it's a good idea to have a professional come before you go you know I love that she was like hey girl like we're gonna have some wine we're going to figure this out, but it's definitely dangerous to do that. But yeah, like you said, varying degrees of, of success with that, because sometimes they can be empowered by the acknowledgement. So if, if you're kind of just ignoring it or, you know, that may drain it of any kind of energy that it has. But then once you acknowledge that, OK, something is here, then that's when they feel a little bit more empowered. So um, it is kind of a. Uh, case-to-case basis kind of thing. Um, Just like you said, I would say bring in somebody that's either a professional or kind of has a little bit more experience with those kind of situations because they can then kind of gauge what kind of entity or energy that you're dealing with because it's very important that you handle that properly. Absolutely, because if that had been a poltergeist, can you imagine? No. She would not be okay right now. No, no. Well, yeah, what's the second second one? I'm excited to hear the other one because that one was... Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think, uh, especially if, you know, if, if I were to go in there, you know, you and I might both go into that home and have two totally different experiences, which is crazy. I could be embraced with a warm hug and you could be left with a feeling of dread that would never leave you. Yep. And I already have that all the time just from being, you know, me as a person. So I don't need it <laughs> compounded yeah. on top of that. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel when I talk to you. So I get it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let me locate my second story. This was from Beth, also from the True Crime Obsessed uh, thread. And she gave me a few different accounts, but they're all related. So I'm just going to read everything she sent me. Okay, first one. She says... I definitely believe... Okay, hold on. Sorry. This this first one was actually like her initial comment. And then she direct messaged me to give me way more detail. So I'm going to read her comment and then go into detail. She said, I definitely believe in the paranormal. And I've had a lot of stuff happen to me. Mostly when I lived in a townhouse in upstate New York. And when I lived in Atlanta. I have a creepy story and a not so creepy story. In 2009, I was living in Atlanta... I would have to be at work at 6 a.m., so I would leave for work around 5.15. As I was driving out of my apartment complex gate, I saw a little girl standing there staring at me. She was sepia-toned and wearing clothing from maybe the 1920s or 1930s. My initial thought, before I realized what she was wearing, was I had never seen any kids waiting for the school bus this early in the morning. But she was staring at me with sort of a look like she was upset, which grabbed my attention and just baffled me. So I drive away looking in my rearview mirror to see if she was still there and saw her silhouette. 
When I got to the bottom of the hill, I realized it was the day of my grandmother's memorial service. She had just passed away a few days before in upstate New York. My brother and I couldn't afford to fly back to New York, so my dad was going to call us so that we could listen to the service later that day. I believe my grandmother came to say goodbye, but presented herself in a way that wouldn't freak me out on my drive to work, which I thought was just like really sweet. I mean, who knows if it actually was, but it seems like a pretty good explanation. So that one was kind of a lighthearted one to um, break up the the one that I'm about to read. (laughs) Okay. When I lived in upstate New York, I lived in a townhouse for about a year before moving to Atlanta. When I was downstairs in the living room, I would always hear footsteps upstairs. Mind you, I lived alone. One night while I was sleeping, I heard three loud pops. The first two in the back bedroom and the third in my bedroom. As I wake up, I look at the clock and notice it's 3.33 a.m. You know what that means, Phil. It's that witching hour. (laughs) It sure is. Then my closet door slowly opens with a loud creak. My bedroom was fully carpeted, so the door would not have been able to open itself without some outside force. From that point on, I always slept with the lamp on and my TV on. Can relate, girl. I do that too. After that, I was washing dishes when these decorative salt and pepper shakers came crashing onto the top of the stove. I was about two feet away from the stove, and the loud noise scared the crap out of me to the point where my heart was beating so hard that my chest hurt for a few days after. I was telling a friend what happened and was thinking that maybe it was my grandfather because he had died in the apartment complex across the street from where I was living. Later on, I was upstairs in the bedroom making the bed. As I turn toward the door, I see a black shadow go through the doorway away from me. I called out, thinking maybe my boyfriend at the time had come over, but nobody was there. Later on, I was in bed. I felt a cold spot only on my feet, which baffled me because I was under a heavy comforter and flannel sheets. No other part of my body was cold. A few months later, I was folding some laundry on my bed and decided to lay down for a few minutes. As I was laying there, I felt someone grab my ankle. As I look up, I see a woman with her hand on my ankle wearing a white nightgown with long brown hair staring out the window. Her hair was hanging down so I couldn't see her face. After a few seconds, felt like minutes, she disappeared. My friends thought I was crazy for staying there, but once I knew who was walking around, I just kind of acknowledged that I heard her and nothing else crazy happened. What? (laughs) Was this the same? This is from the same person? Yes. Both these stories? Yes. Oh my God. So she's clearly like very sensitive to paranormal activity, but I'm so sorry. If a woman, if anybody... If anybody grabs my ankle and I and I wake up and it's not a cat, I'm moving. Yeah. I'm moving. <laughs> hey everyone. I hope you're enjoying these stories and I know some of them can be a little scary, but one thing that isn't scary is Buzzsprout. Podcasting is incredibly easy when you have the right partners. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. We use Buzzsprout here at the Wait For a Podcast, and it is fantastic, as well as an incredibly interactive Facebook group that's perfect for networking. 
Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and a whole lot more. You can start with any gear that you already have and a quiet space. If you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of resources to help you find the right equipment at the right price. Join us as well as over 100,000 other podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And of course, it helps support the show. Now, with that being said, let's get back into the stories. Like, I know that not everyone, and I probably don't even have the finances to, like, make it happen super fast, but I'm going to start <laughs> looking. Like, I'm not staying yeah. there. No. And the fact that her hair was covering her face. I think that makes it wor- I don't know what's worse, though. Would you want to see the face? Uh, you know, the... I, okay, so if I can't see the face, my imagination is going to run like crazy. Does she have a face? Does she have eyes? Does she have a mouth? Like, is it, you know, and so I would almost rather see it no matter how terrifying. Cause I feel like even as terrifying as it was, I would make it more terrifying in my head if I couldn't see her face. And then there's also right. something about those childhood images of the movie, the ring where she's like coming out and her hair, you know, or mm-hmm. the grudge, um, which we, we spoke about last time when we were mm-hmm. talking about Ayoki Kahara. So as soon as I read that, I was like, it's a yuray! <laughs> but, right. <laughs> like, clearly not, because we're not in Japan. Probably not in this. But I mean, yeah. they could it be the same thing, but a different name? I mean, but also yeah. it didn't seem I like... I mean, the phenomenon could reach... It just could have just different names. Yeah. Um, I, you said it was looking out, just looking out the window. So looking, it wasn't... So like grabbing her ankle and like looking out the window with her hair in front of her face. So it was... It, she wasn't looking at her... I don't know. It was just very odd. But I just wonder if like these are some kind of some omens. I don't know if she ever followed up on what happened after that. I guess it really just she just acknowledged that it's there. Apparently, I mean that's pretty much it. Yeah, she just she was like, now that I know who it is, I you know I'm just gonna live with it. And I, I was really surprised. I because I got so many comments and I started asking follow up questions like oh, wow, that's, you know, that's insane. Did you, did you look up the history of your house? Do you know if anything happened there? And a lot of them never did. They're like, no, I just didn't ever want to think about it again. I didn't do anything. Yeah, that happens a lot. I think people just want to just forget it ever happened or not acknowledge it. Again, I think partly because people, they probably think people won't believe them anyway. Maybe they're afraid that maybe there is something going on in their head where there is something wrong with them. Or even the maybe the worst case scenario that there is some kind of entity or spirit in their home or wherever they spend a majority of their time. I know I certainly wouldn't want to think about that, especially especially right now when we're all quarantined or supposed to be quarantining, some of you looking at y'all. But especially right now where we're spending more time at home than ever, you don't want to think about something that's constantly in your house when you're supposed to, that's supposed to be like your safe space. No, yeah. Like you said, your home is supposed to be where you feel safe. And I feel like for a lot of these people, that's not the reality. And a lot of them had moved since then. Like, you know, they would they would say in their comment. But there was one specifically that scared the shit out of me. And I was like, girl, did you move? And she's like, no, we still live here. I'm like, what? Yeah. One of the well, the the podcast that I say, the scared to death podcast, which you had to stop listening to. They 
talk about it all the time where they acknowledge that some people just financially don't have the means to just pack up and leave and which is totally understandable but you know in instances where people are able to to go you know i don't know why they're sticking around oh man yeah yeah like you said if someone if i woke up and there was just you know something grabbing onto my ankle that feeling in general when you know you're alone and you feel like somebody grabs you is a bad feeling in itself yeah, or even just like you think for me because I have a thousand cats, you know, I think a cat jumped on the bed and then I look and there's no cat and I'm like, okay, <laughs> hold up, hold um, up. It's time to watch The Office and cry. <laughs> See, with Shuri, she has that, you know, she's got her collar, so she literally cannot sneak up on me anywhere. She's also 60 pounds, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that, but. Man, those are great. So, guys, that's a little bit of an idea of because I know you'll be doing, of course, listener stories and, and user submitted stories. So that's a little bit of a teaser for World with Nightmares. I'm really excited. I believe you're tackling that like later on in like the first three or four episodes. You're doing user stories, right? I am going to be doing episode one is going to be Catacombs. Episode two, which hopefully will come out before Halloween, is going to be about witches and their history and the lore. And I'm actually interviewing a modern day witch for that, which I'm very excited Ooh, that'll be, about. And that'll be good. Yes. She agreed to it. I sent her the questions. I'm waiting for her to respond. So I'm really excited about that because I feel like there are so many misconceptions mm-hmm. and it's unnecessary. So I'm hoping to kind of clear some things up. And then for my third episode will be the first listener stories and I will be doing it every month. There you go, guys. So a little bit, again, a little bit of a teaser for you. So let's get into my last couple of stories here, you guys. And again, hope you're enjoying the series as much as Amaris and I have enjoyed researching it and, and talking about it. But uh, I want to talk about something that I've I've honestly come across stories about this area quite frequently lately. A couple of different podcasts have covered it. So I really wanted to, the opportunity to talk to you guys about it. And it's Lake Lanier in Georgia. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard anything about Lake Lanier, have you? No, I've never heard of that. So here's the story of Lake Lanier. It's a man-made lake, and it was built in 1957 by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. It was created to manage navigation and flood control from the Chattahoochee River and to supply water for residents in the city of Atlanta. The creation of Lake Lanier was plagued with problems from the beginning. During the five years it took for the lake to fill its intended water level, the U.S. government actually purchased more than 50,000 acres of farmland, which ultimately displaced more than 250 families, 15 businesses, and relocated 20 cemeteries along with their corpses in the process. Many of the buildings and roads that were flooded out during the lake's creation were left as is. Along the lake's bottom, one can eerily find towns with complete roads, walls, houses intact, pretty much like an abandoned ghost town underwater. A local diver, Buck Buchanan, said, quote, you reach out into the dark and you feel an arm or a leg and it doesn't move. That's creepy. (laughs) Since the lake's opening, an estimated 675 people have died in the lake and not all of the bodies have been found. The lake here um, has plenty of haunted tales. A lot of people refuse to go to it because of the amount of people that have died in the lake. A lot of people think that it's cursed. And this is crazy here, Amos, because... And some people in this area might have been to this to this lake. 
when it's like the water is low, you can see the tops of buildings still. Um, there's also rumors that some of the bodies were actually never removed. They were just left there um, in their final resting place. And something that other shows have talked about is like, just imagine like being one of those people, like thinking that this is your final resting place. This is going to be it. And then all of a sudden it's filled with water. And then who knows what's happening to those bodies. This isn't the story that I'm going to tell, but one of the t- most terrifying stories that I've heard is some fishermen were out on a lake and then they see kind of like uh, somebody, pa- essentially they hear like somebody paddling in the lake, like on a longboard or something like that. And then all of a sudden they hear whatever this is, jump into the water and start swimming towards them. And then as they, they're essentially trying to like start the motor for their boat and get away and then it just disappears. That is the most horrifying story that I've heard from this area. It's, uh, I hate it so much. Oh my God. Yeah. I've never really heard of a swimming ghost before, but no, here we no. are. Yeah, thank you for that. I really like the lake, but I did want to say that growing up in McKinney, we were on the border of Princeton and there was a lake called Lake Levon. And it was a very similar situation where they just flooded the houses. And so you can go down, there are pictures, like houses still fully intact, businesses, roads. So and when it gets low, me. you can't see the houses, or at least I personally haven't, but it's still like forests of trees just sticking up out of the water totally dead of course but it's so eerie like driving over that in the morning with the fog it's terrifying yeah um that's so strange to me that that was a practice that that went on back then and uh, again just like you said all these people were displaced and they just built a lake over a bunch of people they're like we need water here so we're gonna we're gonna need you to leave (laughs) I, I guess I'm confu- I guess I'm confused as to why a lake is so badly needed. I guess for water supply, yeah. I guess, but it seems like there's got to be a better way than displacing so many people in graveyards. Like how disrespectful. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a ton of stories that we could we honestly Lake Lanier can be its own episode. That might be something you want to look into actually for your podcast because it's insane. It, it's a very very interesting. Exactly. Add it to your list. Um, but yeah, this is the story though of the Lady of Lake Lanier. And this is a story that I've heard on a couple other podcasts. And it's just so interesting that I had to bring it to y'all. So here's how it goes. The old bridge had been standing for 34 years before crews began to expand it in November of 1990. By then, the 1,200 feet of steel spanning the Chattahoochee River had already been subjected to decades of sweltering Georgia summers and the kind of bone chilling, wet cold that penetrates parts of the Southeast each winter. And in that time, the old bridge had generated a reputation for the supernatural. Today, Georgia's Jerry D. Jackson Bridge is an afterthought to commuters on State Route 53, a weathered 63-year-old relic from the first days of Lake Lanier when its waters had barely reached full pool and Elvis Presley and Hank Williams ruled the radio. But some say the bridge is not the only remnant of forgotten time still looming over the old highway. In fact, they say they are almost sure of it. In 1958, just just two years after the bridge opened, Delia Parker Young and Susie Roberts sped out of a gas station without paying en route to the nearby town of Downsonville. Their feet likely thumped the pulse of Presley's latest hit, King Creole, as the faint glow of the headlights on Roberts' 1954 Ford sedan lit their way through the southern night. They were two rebels on the run, headed to Three Gables Roadhouse, and they never made it home. Eighteen months later, a local fisherman would spot the decomposing body of a woman beneath Jerry D. Jackson Bridge. In what must have been a gruesome scene, the body floated on the lake's surface, missing two toes from its left foot, while its arms buoyed vainly without hands. 
appendages that have perhaps fallen victim to a traumatic end or the slow digestive tracts of the lake's catfish, it's no surprise then that the body could not be identified by coroners. But even then, locals near Downsonville were already convinced of its identity. The mysterious body had to be Delia Parker Young. They knew it was Delia, they said, because dozens of drivers on State Road 53 had seen her after she vanished, appearing as a ghostly, handless apparition, sauntering down the highway in a blue dress. This ghost appeared to be lost, they said, almost as if it was searching, but for what, no one could say. Decades passed as Delia's legend grew into a local myth. Visiting the old bridge became a rite of passage down at Dowsonville High School as generations of young thrill-seekers sped by in search of the lady in Lake Lanier. Some returned to schools the next day, swearing they'd seen her. Others were thwarted. The Lady of the Lake Lanier exhibited the classic symptoms of a residual haunting, a phenomenon parapsychologists described as an apparition that appears more like a recording of its previous event than an interactive entity. According to paranormal experts, residual hauntings are most often found at the location of a traumatic event where the energy of heightened emotions are fused to the fabric of a place. We've talked about that before, Amorous. By November of 1990, Susie Roberts was all but forgotten, and the mysterious body found by a fisherman in 1959 lay resting in an unmarked tomb. For all practical purposes, there was little evidence left from the final ride of that Ford sedan. No fabric remaining but the bridge, the highway, and a myth. And then that's when fate intervened. Years of wear and tear had finally caught up with Jerry D. Jackson Bridge as work began on renovations that would expand and refit the bridge. Construction workers dredging the bottom of the lake made a startling discovery. Filled with mud, half buried at the lake's bottom, they found the twisted wreckage of a 1954 Ford. The bones of Susie Roberts were still inside. Dental records soon verified Roberts' identity, and the discovery made national headlines. Finally, after 34 years, residents of Northeast Georgia had a definitive answer to their mystery. Susie Roberts and Delia Parker Young had run off the road high atop Jerry D. Jackson Bridge. The unmarked tomb was relabeled with Delia's name and the Lady of Lake Lanier. Some say you can still find her wandering the back roads of State Route 53, slowly making her way from Dawsonville to the top of the old bridge. And that is the Lady of Lake Lanier. Can you see? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a chilling story and a story that is kind of similar to a lot of stories out there of somebody who just, um, you know, a woman wandering around a highway or around a bridge or something like that. Um, but just something about this one, just the length of time that it spans over. Uh, very, very chilling tale for sure. If for the, you guys can't see, but I put my arm up to the, to the webcam <laughs> and I'm, I got the goosebumps. <laughs> Yeah, that the first time I heard that story, I got legitimate chills. And I, I think it's kind of funny that like it's become kind of like a, a tradition for high schoolers to to go out there. Um, the residual haunt makes a lot of sense in this instance. Um, again, an area of tragedy. And the fact that, you know, after all those years, I mean, people just driving over this essentially a grave site is haunting. Literally. Yeah. Would you go try and find her? Um, <laughs> up and down the road that's one of my biggest fears honestly is being out in the middle of nowhere and running into a person whether it's a li living or dead like honestly it's, oh, it's terrifying. like in the movies when someone is like driving down a country road and someone like runs out and is asking for help i'm the person that would not help you like if you are in the nature and you need help don't run in front of my car because i'm going to either assume you are a serial killer you're helping a serial killer or you're a ghost, and I'm not going to help you. I'll call 911 as I'm driving away at 90 miles per hour. Um, yeah, that is a 
big fear of mine. And I grew up in the country and definitely thought about that often. Um, and to answer your question, I think I would go look for it. I would love to actually, you know, I've experienced things. I've definitely had feelings. I've had, you know, I think I told you about the time where we came home and like all of my mom's drawers had been dumped out onto the floor, but the mm -hmm. house was perfectly locked and I had been ghost hunting and opened a door essentially, you know, normal middle just you know normal stuff. middle just normal paranormal yeah, things uh but i've never seen something and i would love to me neither and as chilling as it would be to see her probably again keep in mind like this is a residual haunting that has no idea that you're there so i would definitely like to go out and see if you could capture her on you know with some kind of evidence but this is also one of those stories that you know spans several decades and has so many different appearances and so many different um, accounts that this is uh, one that I'm definitely I tend to believe based on the history of the area and not even just that bridge but that whole lake just kind of being surrounded in tragedy itself you know 100% I can only imagine how many unhappy souls there were given that not only their final resting place being disturbed but also probably where they spent their entire life mm -hmm. I mean because if you think about it, like often cemeteries are haunted, often homes are haunted if something's happened. So you just pour water over it. Well, they're not going to leave, you know, they're still there. That's really scary. And I can't stop thinking about the ghost that was swimming. Like they shouldn't be able to swim. Yeah. Can we have one safe place? Like, nope, <laughs> please. But yeah, so uh, that's just a, uh, um, Again, we're kind of a fascinating story as far as Lake Lanier goes. It's something I wouldn't mind visiting, not to go out on the water, but just to kind of do paranormal investigations. As because again, as of last episode, I hate the outside. Uh, I'm a terrible swimmer. I don't. I don't even mention that. I really more so just don't drown as much as I am swimming. And then also, you know, the paranormal stuff sounds uh, pretty intriguing as well. But I'm going to read you guys one last story here that I found on Reddit and. It's really just kind of a standalone, but it was just so terrifying that I had to get it. Uh, I had to bring it to you guys again, posted in Reddit ghost stories. This username is get, let's get, uh, God, I'm, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Let's get the, <laughs> you know what? I don't know, but a uh, shout out to you for your haunted water park story. I'm so sorry that, uh, I'll link it. I'll just link it in the show <laughs> notes because of course I want to, I want to give you credit, but this one definitely gave me chills to your amorous. So Let's get into it. So this title again, uh, this story is titled again, Haunted Water Park. I literally downloaded Reddit so I could vent about this because I could get fired if I talk about this. I'm a lifeguard at a water park in Las Vegas. We always brag about how, unlike our competition, we have had zero casualties at the current location. Stuff always happens like tubes will appear in the pool after we just took them all out and stacked them. Chairs will move around after we just sorted them. Wet footsteps on concrete when no one was wet, etc. We joke that we don't get paid enough to fight demons. It was just a joke to us, but not to our supervisors or managers. They always made excuses. It was always the wind, or I moved it, or they're my prince. They always got angry at us and said that someone could overhear us and complain. They even went as far as to threaten us with a defamation lawsuit if we talked about it on social media. Weird, right? If the park wasn't haunted, why would they care so much about us talking about it? I never cared because I believe my supervisors and managers. Maybe they did move the chairs. Maybe they dipped their feet in the pool and walked away. That was until last month. It was 10 p.m. and we were finished cleaning the park. I had to stay later because I was getting a ride from my supervisor, Ryan. 
We were the few people left in the park, so we were doing a final walkthrough just to make sure everything was clean. We only had a flashlight and a few light posts illuminating our paths around the park. We were walking by some slides when I heard someone, a woman, say, Hello? I looked at Ryan, who didn't seem to hear it, then we heard it again. Hello? I freaked out, and Ryan again didn't seem to hear it. Did you not hear that? I said to Ryan. He shrugged and continued walking. I stopped and said I didn't want to do the walkthrough with him. He rolled his eyes and said, if I didn't, I am refusing to work, which isn't a good thing to say to your supervisor. He told me I was probably just hearing things. I got a hold of myself and continued to walk. We started getting to the back of the park where the light posts were dimmer and it was much quieter since we were further from the running water and the slides. Ryan and I started talking about school and college and what we were going to do when the season ends when I heard it again, but it sounded closer this time. Hello? Anyone there? She sounded very tired and confused. I jumped, and again, Ryan did not care at all. I was so freaked out, I started feeling nauseous. I wanted to go home, but Ryan was my ride home, so I had to stay. What happened next haunts me. After we heard the voice, we heard what sounded like someone climbing out of the lazy river, soaking wet. No one else is there. If they were, they would be in the office. No one should be swimming. Ryan was angry. He thought a lifeguard snuck into the river. He turned around and started yelling, What the fuck? Go home. This isn't fun. And then he froze. I said a quick prayer and turned around. There was a lady soaking wet, wearing a park shirt with our logo on it, but the logo looked very 2000s. I know what our shirts look like, and I stand in the shop all the time to get some AC. I have never seen that shirt. She was hunched over and her hair covered her face. She spoke, hello, can you help me? Ryan grabbed my arm and we bolted to the office. Lifeguards weren't allowed in the office ever. It's a whole thing, but he let me come inside. He pulled one of my managers into the supply room and shut the door. Another supervisor started asking me if I was okay. I was breathing heavily and couldn't speak, but I nodded yes. Ryan and the manager came out of the room and Ryan grabbed his stuff and said, let's go. We got in his car and he said we needed to stop by the gas station first. When we pulled in, he told me to type in my address in his phone while he pumped gas. When he got in the car, I broke the silence. What the fuck was that that happened? He turned the car on and started driving. I can't tell anyone, it's like a park secret, but I'll tell you if you swear you won't tell anyone, I swore. Back in 2002, before this location of the park was built, there was a park on the Strip. It was the only water park in Vegas. We only had one casualty, and it was a lady who came in with her family. She got drunk and went to the Lazy River, where she sank to the bottom of the river, and because there were so many tubes, the lifeguards didn't see her, and she drowned. That's why we have so many lifeguards for the river, and why our tubes are see-through. So that was her? Yeah, he said. Why is she here? I don't know, but she's probably confused. She's always asking for help. She says, so you did hear her? Yeah, but everyone does. And when you're in the park late at night, it's a whole different story if you if you see her. What happens if you see her? Nothing, but it's scary. The car ride was silent the rest of the way. I still work at the park, but Ryan talked to the managers and convinced them to let me work only morning shifts. Ryan quit recently due to college. I only told two coworkers, but that's only because they've had experiences themselves. Thank you for letting me vent. Also, appreciate lifeguards and all the shit we go through. And this story, guys, just happened at the time of recording a little bit over a month ago. So when the episode again comes out later this month, um, this this story is only about a month or two old. So this is very, very recent. Um, I came across this again in Reddit Ghost Stories. And just like you, full-on chills, goosebumps, the whole nine. It was haunting. I didn't like that at all. I think it's kind of sad as well, you know? It's really sad. But, yeah. And I, like, sim. okay, so I I have two different, like, emotions or thoughts regarding the water park for being the way that they're being. I 
on one hand appreciate that they're not using a tragic death to bring in tourists because I feel like a right. lot of times when places are haunted, they use it as like a the most haunted place the most in Las haunted Vegas. water park in Nevada. Yeah, and it's like okay, cool, but also like someone died. Can we like? Can we talk about that? So I, I do like that they're not using that to bring in money, but I also don't like that they're making their employees feel crazy when they're experiencing things. Like for that Ryan guy to be like, no, I didn't hear anything until they literally see a fucking lady with hair in front of her face. Like, like, like I said earlier, can we not make people feel like they're crazy? Like, can we not? Can we just be nice people? Yeah. Also, you know, looking at it from just to play devil's advocate the the business side of things it's it might not be the best thing obviously they're trying to hide you know something a, a pretty terrible tragedy yeah and um you know also some stuff like that sometimes paranormal stuff will as much as it attracts people it also i think equally pushes people away um because you know as far as their business practice they'll think well you know if that's something they believe in that's not a place that i want to associate with or something you know something along those lines yeah uh, as yeah, well yeah. you know but Again, the fact that he finally acknowledged it, because I think maybe maybe it's an instance, too, of maybe that, that manager spends a lot of time in the park alone at night. And just like people we talked about earlier in the house where they don't acknowledge or they don't really talk about it again, he doesn't want to think about it in a place where, at least at the time, it seems like he's now moved on uh, to other things. But at the time where he spends most of his time, 40 hours a week, maybe, and not, you know, you just kind of ignore that kind of thing, maybe for your own sanity, I guess totally valid but i wanted to bring you guys that story because in my research came across it and just oh god like i said absolutely chilling um but guys that is it for this episode i hope you enjoyed haunt girl summer we've been getting really good feedback from the ghost in the woods episodes thus far uh that you guys listened to a couple weeks back if you haven't listened to that one make sure you go and check it out uh by amaris again one more time you know thank you so much for joining me next month is going to be Illuminati. So I'm going to be going back to a conspiracy theory episode. So hopefully if scheduling wise that we can work that out. I would love for you to join me because I have a really interesting topic in mind that I think would be really fun. But also again, one more time, if you want to tell everybody about Riddle with Nightmares and also my Riddle Kitchen, anything else you're working on, and then we'll get out of here and then head into the weekend and enjoy Halloween. I cannot wait for Halloween. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm carving pumpkins and watching Corpse Bride tonight. So I'm very, very excited. Um, and yes, thank you again for having me on. If you want to follow my new podcast, I will be releasing my first episode next week. I'm very excited. It is called Riddled with Nightmares, um, you know, because my last name is Riddle. Well, by the time this episode comes out, we'll be a couple oh. episodes in, actually, because oh, this comes out on the 28th. Yeah. Oh, well, then please just go on over and give me a follow because I will have already posted, hopefully, two episodes. And um, also, you can follow My Riddle Kitchen on Instagram, Facebook. My website is myriddlekitchen.com. I'm also on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I have a couple other things in the works, but they're not for sure yet. So I'm going to hold off until next time before I announce those. But thank you so much, Phil. Absolutely. As always, it was so much fun. And, uh, you know, one more time, guys, thanks so much for for listening. We really appreciate it. And I uh, hope you're enjoying these series in terms of like the paranormal stuff and the conspiracy theories and the aliens and everything in between. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Happy Halloween, everybody. Please be safe. I know, you know, some of you guys are going out and and doing like trick-or-treating with your kids and all that kind of stuff. Like, just please, please be careful. You know, I, I know we're all eager 
to get back to our normal lives but like you know we, we really just need to get uh, get through this together um if you haven't already go out and vote make sure you're doing that wear your mask do all these do all these things please just for the sake of your fellow man and woman but guys thank you so much this has been the amity phil horror right here on the wait for it podcast again you we've released new episodes every monday and wednesday and all you have to do is wait for it this is the wait for it podcast 